Luke chapter 2. Let me ask you, what is the best news that you've ever heard? Don't answer out loud. Um, or the worst news you've ever heard. You know, I bet the best news you've gotten and the worst news you've gotten, if you think back over your life, you probably remember a lot of things about where you were, what, were, what was going on, things like that. You, that, that tends to just kind of stick with you, those kind of moments. And at Christmas, we're really celebrating the greatest news that's ever been delivered in the history of humanity. According to Christians, what we believe, if you're not a Christian tonight, that's what we believe. We believe that the news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest news in the history of the world because of all that ushered in. But assume for a second, even if you're not a believer tonight, just assume that Jesus is who he said he was. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he's who the Christians say he is, and he's who the Bible teaches that he is, wouldn't it make sense that the heralding of his birth would be the most important news and usher in, uh, even more news, the most important news in the history of the world. And in Luke chapter 2, we have this great account. It's probably of all the gospel accounts of the birth of Christ, this is the one that gets read the most. And we're going to read, for the sake of context, all of verses 1 through 20. And we're going to focus in on the first people that got the news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 8 through 20. So let's start reading Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. Now verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here, starting in verse 8, you've got that account we are very familiar with, many of us, in the verse 7 verses there, of the time frame and all that was going on when Jesus was born. And then in verse 8, this announcement of his birth goes out from the angels to the shepherds. Now, these are just some men who are out doing their job, and they get this message from God. 
And I imagine this was not a day at their office that they would soon forget. You think about that. They're just out doing what they do on any given night at this time. They're just out doing what shepherds do, right? They're just going through what was a daily routine or a nightly routine for them. And then all of a sudden, something they didn't usually see, an angel of the Lord appears. The glory of God shines all around them. And these angels begin to speak to them. And then another, a heavenly host of angels, an army of angels, that means, appeared and begins to sing. These guys weren't out doing anything that most people consider spiritual. They weren't on a fasting retreat or having a deep prayer time that we know of. They were shepherding smelly sheep in the night and they had the most God-centered spiritual experience that they had probably ever had. They encountered a word from the Lord. You know, Matthew Henry wrote, We are not out of the way of divine visits when we're sensibly employed in an honest calling and abide with God in it. God can speak to us and work in us anywhere and He used to work in us in our daily callings as well. You know, these men were shepherds, and this was a very humble job in those days. This wasn't a group of elitist, highly educated, or the super religious crowd, or religious leaders. These were normal guys working a blue-collar job. And those were the people, these men were who God chose to be the first to hear about this message. Some even say that many believe that they were even outcasts in society by this time, for various reasons. You know... The news that they heard was a very simple message. It's the most wonderful news in all the world, but it's a very simple message. Did you catch it? Here's the news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the angels, the rest of the angels show up and they add to it, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Very simple news. It's good news of great joy. Pastor Tim Keller of New York City writes, Christmas shows us that Christianity is not good advice. It is good news. You know, the angels didn't herald advice that night. You know, we don't sing, hark the herald, the angels advise, right? They sing it, they announce it. Glory to the newborn king. Glory to God in the highest. The Christ is born today. A Savior is born today. It's news. It's an announcement. It's something that's real, something that's been done. It's not advice. You know, advice can be taken or not taken. You kind of have to discern, should I take the advice or not? News is to be heeded if it's real news. Three things about this news tonight that we need to, Remember this Christmas season. This Christmas news is good news is the first thing. He says it's good news of great joy. You know, these shepherds were filled with fear when this angel showed up. Did you catch that? I mean, they were afraid because the glory of the Lord was shining all around. And an angel's talking to them. You know, they were used to encountering some pretty scary things. They had to fight off wolves at night. They had to prevent thieves from stealing the sheep. They had to deal with some shady characters. These weren't easily spooked men. This wasn't a job. You had to be alone in the dark in the desert. I mean, this was not the kind of job that people that are timid take on. And that they're, they're cowering in fear when this angel appears. You know, the glory of the Lord that shined around them is seen throughout the Bible to depict God's presence and God's activity. And when in the Bible you see the presence of angels or the presence of God or the glory of God manifest, fear is always accompanied to that. Even back in Luke chapter 1, one chapter back, when Zechariah encountered an angel that told him of John the Baptist's birth, it says he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Mary, the mother of Christ, was greatly troubled when the angel Gabriel brought her the news she was favored and the Lord was with her. It's like angel shows up and says, good news, the Lord has favored you. The Lord, the Lord is with you, and she's troubled by that, right? 
She's fearful of that. Why is that? It's almost like when someone shows up that you clearly perceive is from God and has a message from God, you instinctively think and assume it's bad news. <laughs> Why is that? You think this can't be good, right? And your mind maybe is flooded with promises broken, right? I told the Lord if he got me out of this situation, I wouldn't do this. Or The Lord has come to collect, right, on my sins. I don't know. That same guy I quoted earlier, Matthew Henry, said that's because we're conscious of so much guilt. That's why in the presence of an angel or in the presence of holiness or in the presence of the glory of God, people are naturally fearful. Let me ask you, if an angel came tonight, bright and shining, and you knew you were in the presence of someone who had a message from God for you, would you assume it's good news or bad news tonight? You know, ever since the Garden of Eden, man has kind of assumed it's bad news a lot of times. What happens in the Garden of Eden right after Adam and Eve commit the first sins? What happens? They, the Lord shows up walking through the garden, Genesis tells us, and they hide. And he says, why are you hiding? He says, because we're afraid. We're afraid. And ever since then, man, in our guilt and in our shame and in our fear, has been trying to hide and run away from God. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, no one's righteous. And in Romans 3.23, we've fallen short of the glory of God. But this angel said, fear not, I bring you good news. This is good news, not bad news. It's not what you think, shepherds. It's good news of great joy for all the people. You know, really good news is always joyful news. Isn't it? I mean, hey, assuming this is a good thing in most of the cases, right? Hey, we're getting married. Yay, right? Hey, we're having a baby. Yay, right? Hey, I got the job. Yay, right? Hey, I made an A. Yay, it's always le good news. Really good news leads to joy. That's natural. So it makes sense that the angel says, hey, it's good news of great joy. It's good news. It leads to joy. And ultimately, there was a eschatological movement here of God bringing about all the fulfillment of all the promises of thousands of years that had passed and culminating in the joy of He is here. The Messiah that was prophesied about in Isaiah that was prophesied about in Genesis 3.15 when I told Eve that one would come, one of her offspring, and He would crush the work of the serpent. He is here. And so it's a good news of great joy, He's saying. He says, it's born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior. A real person, born in a real place, in a real city, at a real point in time. It's a historical account, filled with detail, by the way, when you read the gospel accounts of Jesus. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, this little small village outside of Jerusalem. And he, notice the titles for Jesus there. He calls him Christ calls him the Lord, and he's a Savior. You know, Christ means, it's, it's, it means Messiah. It's the anointed one. It's the equivalent in the Greek of, of, of the Messiah. In other words, he's saying this is the one that's come to fulfill the prophecies. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. And when he says he's Lord, he's saying he's ruler of all creation. He's saying this is God in the flesh. It's better than you expected. God has taken up residence. God has come and taken on human flesh. This is the God-man that we sang about tonight, that we read in John 1. The Word has become flesh. God has become man. God, 100% God and 100% man, right there, laying in that manger. Christ the Lord. He says He'd be a Savior. That tells us what He's come to do. It also tells us what humanity needs the most. A Savior is one who delivers and rescues. Delivers from what? Rescues from what? What do we need saving from? 
You know, God's design for the world, Genesis teaches us, is he's designed the world in such a way to bring him glory and to bring him honor. But ever since Genesis chapter 3 happened, when man sinned against God, the design has been broken. And you can look around. You don't have to turn the news on for long, right? You can go home tonight and turn on the news and you can find some brokenness. You can, you can probably look inside your own home and your own heart and find some brokenness. You can look at your own past and find some brokenness, right? Things don't work like they're supposed to work. It's why we have wars and sickness and death and disagreements and pain and hurt and all these things that happen and addictions and sins and rebellious natures in our own life. It's because the world is a broken place and that sin is what, sin is what caused that and sin leads to death. Sin leads to the wrath of God abiding on us, Romans teaches us. But the Bible says that God sent Jesus, right? He sent a Savior, someone to save us from that wrath and save us from that judgment. You know, if God's a just judge, he's got to punish sin or he's not a just judge. The Bible says God's just. says he's holy. He's not holy and just if he doesn't punish sin. So in comes a Savior to bear the punishment for our sin, to bear God's wrath for us and turn it to favor so you and I tonight can be forgiven. That's why Christ the Lord was born. Jesus came to rescue us, to save us from our sin. From our sin. Because our sin offends God and separates us from God and brings God's wrath. He came to save us from ourselves. You know, we're our own worst problem. You ever notice that? We like to point the finger at other people, but our biggest problems lie within us. Within us. Our biggest problem is not our neighbor or our coworker. Our biggest problem is not some family member you can't get along with. Our biggest problem is not something that happened to Our biggest problem lies within, that we are sinners. And we need to be saved from our own selves. And we need to be saved from God's wrath. And Jesus came to do that. He's our Savior. And he says, this is good news for all people. All people. Rich people, poor people. All people of white people, black people, Hispanic people, all colors, all, all people, all ethnic groups, all people of all over the world, young people, old people. Short people and tall people, right? Pretty people and, well, we're all pretty, right? It's for all people. He says, this is good news for everybody. You know, the Bible teaches that the gospel is very narrow. Jesus is the only way, but it's very wide. Anybody can come that will come by faith. It's for everybody. Number two, it's glorious news. It's not just good news, it's glorious news. Suddenly the angels appeared and what? They're screaming, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's uh, pleased. Do you notice that the shepherds sound like the angels by the end of the story? They leave after seeing baby Jesus and it says they're glorifying and praising God because it's not just good news, it's glorious news. News can be good, not glorious. Right? I can give you a car tonight on your way out of here and that's good news, but it's not glorious. Right? Glorious news is God glorifying, God on, God's in it kind of news, right? And Glory to God in the highest or glory to God in the heavens is what they're screaming. And they're saying, in peace on earth to those whom God shows favor. In other words, it's not for everybody, this, this peace. It's only for those who believe. God's got to draw you to himself and you've got to repent and believe the gospel to have this peace that God offers in Jesus Christ. He offers us peace. Because as we mentioned we're sinners and we've chosen to be at war with God. And as we've said the last few weeks around here, God doesn't lose wars. So he offers us peace in Jesus Christ who died in our place. And he made peace, the Bible says, by the blood of his cross. 
And when we come to him by faith, we get peace with God and God gets glory. God gets glorified. You know, the Christmas story and the gospel story is a God-glorifying story. You know, Jesus came not only to save sinners, but to bring glory to God. Did you know that? And the way he brings glory to God chiefly is by saving sinners, but Jesus came for God's glory. John 17, 1, Jesus prayed. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. He says in verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In John 12, 27 and 28, as he thinks about his coming hour of death, he says, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus came for the glory of God. And Christmas is a story about God glorifying himself by sending his son to rescue sinners. And when we come to faith in Jesus, we become people that now want to glorify God in our lives and in our hearts. God does the saving. He sent the Savior, and He extends favor and peace to us, and we're the ones that are in need of rescue. We get peace. God gets glory. And when we understand and believe the good news, we will, like the shepherds, begin to give glory and praise to God. You know, a glorious gospel deserves a glorious response. Our response to this news should match the glory of this news. See, the shepherds' response of praising and glorifying God and having a big old time, that was normal. That's normal. That should have been par for the course. Let me ask you, how does your response to the news of Jesus match the magnitude of that news for you tonight? Do, do we have a, a response in our lives that matches the magnitude? You know, a few, nights, a few nights ago, we decided we were going to do a little surprise for the kids, and we thought, you know, we'll put them in their pajamas and get them ready like they're going to bed, but then we're going to take them out, and we're going to buy them donuts, and we're going to go looking at Christmas lights. And so I told Cannon, you know, there's a surprise coming, there's a surprise coming, there's a surprise coming. You better be good if you want the surprise, you know. You're having to do everything you can to, to keep them corralled, you know. Bribing them, I guess. I guess that's not good. I don't know. Confession time. <laughs> and so finally the time comes, the pajamas are on. What's the surprise? You know, what, what are we, what, what, what's the surprise? You know, and I said, well, now we're going to go out and we're going to look at Christmas lights and you're going to get donuts and we're just going to have a good old time. You're going to be going to bed late tonight. He goes, is there a toy? Is, is the donuts the toy? Is the donuts the surprise? He kind of said. And I said, yeah. And he was just kind of like. And finally he warmed up to the idea. And when he realized the choice was to go to bed or to take the prize. He warmed up to the idea. That wasn't the response I was looking for, you know. I was looking for some joy. I was looking for some, yeah, woohoo, you know. But it, I had to kind of pry to get that. Does our response match the glory of the news we've been given? The first proper response to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, is to believe it. But then it's to live a life in light of it that glorifies and praises God. If we are being ho-hum about what God's done in Jesus, we're missing part of the point. This is good news of great joy. This is glorious news. And our response, not only of faith, but of living in light of this news, should match the magnitude of the news. Life-changing news should lead to living a changed life to God's glory. Number three, this is news that should be shared. It's news that should be shared. You know, when the angels in verse 15, they, they, they finally they said, we got to go test this out, right? Let's go see. They, he said there's this baby in a manger and that this is the Savior, so let's go see. Because that narrowed it down, right? There's a baby in a feeding trough somewhere in a little town of Bethlehem, right? 
this little hick town outside of Jerusalem, you're going to find a baby wrapped that's been born right now in a feeding trough, and that's how you'll know that that's the one. They're like, okay, I think that narrows it down. Not a lot of babies in feeding troughs tonight, probably. And so they go searching for baby Jesus. Because it wasn't enough for them to just kind of hear this news. They wanted to experience this. Right? And the good news of Jesus isn't just to be heard. It is to be experienced. It's to be believed. It's to be to looked at with eyes of faith. See, news is only good news for you if it personally affects you. If you receive the benefit of the news. Personally experiencing it. Laying your eyes on Jesus with eyes of faith. The only way to experience this news is to repent turn from our sin, and put our faith and trust in this Jesus, in his gospel. But then, once we've done that, we become people like the shepherds who are heralds of this news, who want to share this news. It says they, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They, they can't help but talk about it. They're there and they're seeing the baby and they're like, let me tell you who this kid is. The, I had an angel tell me tonight that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is Christ the Lord of all things. That he's a Savior. He's come to bring peace. He's come to give glory to God. It was news they had to share. Don't you find it interesting that the greatest news was delivered to lowly shepherds and the, these, the first thing they did with it we see is they begin to share it. The gospel experienced must become the gospel shared or we've missed the point pretty much completely. You know, we know a lot more of the good news than the shepherds did. Did you know that? If you're a Christian tonight, you know more than they knew. There were some blanks that hadn't been filled in yet for them. The angel didn't give them everything we've got, right? We stand on the other side of this after he's lived a sinless life, died on a cross in our place, risen from the dead, and then charged us to go into all the world and make disciples. We stand on the other side of a commission given by a resurrected king who has proven himself to be God. We've got all the more reason to go tell it on the mountain, to go share it, to go announce it, to go proclaim what Jesus has done. How can we not share what we've seen and what we've heard? You know, I like to share things with, with friends. I've got, and I share certain things with some people and certain things. With, like I've got people I text with, right? I'm a big texter. And so, you know, I've got one friend, he likes to talk politics. He's a lawyer. He's going to law school. And so, so we'll, we'll text about politics. We don't always agree on every little thing, but we'll, we'll actually debate sometimes through our text messages. And we'll send each other articles that with other, we think the other one would enjoy or would, would, you know, win our argument or whatever. I've got another friend, preacher friend. We, I might text him preacher things, you know. There's this preacher things, you know. Preacher jokes and preacher things, and then me, you know, my dad and my brother-in-law, we always have a little tread going about college football. And we're always texting about college football. And about who's this and that and what's happening here and here. So I've got these little, you know, then there's a family thread, right? That's got my mom in it, my sister in it, my wife in it, my dad in it, my brother-in-law. And there's pictures of the kids and all these other things, the family. And I've got all these little text messages that are always going. And sometimes you send the wrong thing to the wrong person. That can be bad, dude. They didn't care about that. Like, what does that, what does that have to do with but there's some news that you just tell everybody. It's good news. It's glorious news. And it doesn't matter who they are. It belongs in every thread in the device. It's that good. It's you, you don't pick and choose. Everybody should know about it. And that's this kind of news. The Christmas story is to be shared and told with anyone and everyone. The Christmas season is a time to reflect. 
on what exactly this news is and how it began and how it, it's, how it was proclaimed all the way back in Bethlehem, what this news is and what it means for us today. It's the news of a Savior that has come, which means God's in the business of saving today and that we're in the business of needing a Savior. It's the news of God sending His Son, the Messiah, the true King, not only of Israel but of everything. He's the King of kings. It's the story of God becoming a man in Jesus Christ. It's the story of Jesus living a sinless life and dying on the cross in our place, bearing God's judgment for us to satisfy God's wrath and turn it to favor. It's the story of Jesus being raised from the dead for our justification and victory over sin, death, and hell. It's good news that needs to be personally believed and experienced. And it's glorious news that should lead to us living different, living lives of worship. And it's news that needs to be shared with people and told with people. So let me ask you tonight in closing. Do you know the Christ of Christmas? Do you know, not the baby in the manger, he's more than that, that grew up to be a man that died in your place and rose again. Have you surrendered your life to him, for real, been saved, changed by the Lord Jesus, gloriously forever changed by his blood? Will you commit, if you are a believer this year, as we move towards a new year, will you commit in a fresh new way to live to God's glory this Christmas season, but also in 2017 to say, you know what, I need to be, commit with me. I need to be better at sharing this news with people. I need to talk about this more. I've got people that, neighbors and coworkers and friends and family that need to hear this news, and this year I need to start sharing that. Not just singing about it on Sundays, but sharing it in my workplace, and in my neighborhood. Let's pray.